Retro Hangover supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We'd especially like to thank patrons Lyle McCarns, Ashton Ruby, Randall Quiggle, Tony G, Stunt Still Smash the Milkman, Katie Quigg, Paul Romalo, Raging Demon, JC, Megan Caruso, Mast Keaton, Andrew Laguori, Ozzy Garcia, The Retro Vixen, Adam from The Good, The Bad, and The Backlog, Thunderdome Gaming Society, Keith Gasper, Diskai Mera, Dave Jackson, Eric Guess, Rick Firestone, and Kayla Jackson. Your continued engagement and generous donations are deeply appreciated. Welcome to The Flight, a consumable curation of champions and catastrophes that is considerate of your chronometer. It is me, Chris Copleen, from the Retro Hangover Podcast, and as always, I am joined by your host, Shane, the ever-ending-of-the-year Dick Dragon, Koski. Yes, the, the Lunar Dick Dragon. Ooh, the Lunar Dick Dragon. Is that because you're working on playing Lunar? Let's go with that, yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> let's let's say that's the reason, sure. Lunar forever. Mm-hmm. But we are going to do what every other podcast that covers video games essentially does. And we haven't done well, we, I guess except for us until now, uh, is cover our games of the year on the flight as picked by our patrons. So if you want to suggest a topic for this episode and also vote on topics that you can do, you can head on over to our Patreon. And you can join in on the fun and suggest and vote on topics for flights. But enough of that. We are just going to get right into this and we're going to start talking about the games of the year. Uh, I mean, before we do get into that, I just mm. said we were going to get right into it, but whatever. Um, how has if, before we say that, how has 2022 really been for you overall in terms of gaming, Shane? How would you how would you see it? Uh, I think it's you know, I think it's been pretty good. I mean, it's been a pretty, pretty solid year. I think um, a lot of good titles have come out. I think, you know, based on our our schedule of episodes, I feel like we've we've touched on a number of pretty, pretty decent titles. Um, some other ones that maybe didn't age as well as we had hoped. But um, I think by and large, I, I've had a, a pretty wide swath of exposure to some pretty, pretty quality gaming. So maybe maybe not as much as I would like uh, on some level, I'm actually a little jealous of the rest of y'all in discord who are keeping track of your list of completed games for the year, because they're, they're getting pretty long and I'm pretty sure mine is nowhere near any of that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, I've, I've, I've been pretty satisfied with it. I don't know. What, what about you? I mean, you, you are keeping a running list, so I think you've, you've got a pretty hefty number going, right? Yeah, yeah. I, what I found when making the list for this episode is that like a lot of the games I really liked were played more towards the beginning of the year. I think that's just because a lot of the games I'm playing, I'm just replaying. So I'm not going to put them in the game of the year list anyway. Like, mm. I'm not saying it would be here. It definitely wouldn't. But I'm not going to put Final Fantasy VII in here because I played it this year because I've, I've played it before. It's not a new experience for me, right? So 
overall, like just because I've been playing so many retro games, I really haven't dipped my toes into the new gaming scene. It's just kind of been more of a ho-hum year while I see all of you talk about new releases and I'm just like, why did I do this to myself and put myself <laughs> on a little mission or have to play all these games again uh, with my year of Final Fantasies and, and playing the Final Fantasy game in the East games. But I, I still think I got uh, quite a an interesting group of game of the year picks that I'm going to be talking about on today's episode. So uh, not a complete loss for 2022, having a good time, enjoying the games I am playing. And if they are familiar friends in the final fantasy series and enjoying a new series with East. Uh, but I guess that's where we're going to kick this off and just get right into the list. Yeah. So speaking, yeah. speaking of that, I should probably note uh, that this, this top five for, for both of us, does not imply that they were games that were released this year. I just want to be clear about that. It's it's any game that we played in 2022, regardless of when it actually released. So just keep that in mind as as we're going through our lists here. So Chris, why don't you go ahead and uh, kick this thing off and share with the fine people at home your number five pick. Number five. So my number five pick is going to be the Final Fantasy three pixel remaster, the mm. game that originally came out on the Nintendo Entertainment System that was remade for Steam and mobile. I played this game on Steam and the reason I'm picking it as my number five and there is a couple other games that were right there that I, I didn't know whether or not I wanted to put there was just because Final Fantasy three had always been a game that was really difficult to get into because at the end of the game, it has an absurd difficulty spike, and a lot of the jobs for me were just meaningless. And jobs are still meaningless in the Pixel Remaster for the most part. Uh, it, it didn't really change a lot of the gameplay mechanics, but it did make the game a hell of a lot easier. And it's combined with the soundtrack that I think got the most amount of improvements out of all the other Pixel Remasters, which really does carry it a long way for for the game. And you know, there's a lot of quality of life improvements, too. It really brought it out. Uh, the, the quality that was there with Final Fantasy III, what it was, graphically, it looks fantastic. I'm not even going to say I think it's the best, fifth best game I played this year, but I really did enjoy it. And just being able to play one of the games in one of my favorite series of all time uh, in, in a much better and much more accessible way, I, I yeah, it's, it's getting my number five for a reason. I came away from it enjoying Final Fantasy III, and if, if you haven't played it, this is the way to do it. So go out there. If you like RPGs like I do, this is this is worth a look. It's a little easy, though, just just to put that out there. So, Shane, what's yours? Mm, yeah, well, I just want to say, speaking of that, like I, I've actually been pretty impressed. Not that I've played all of them, but uh, picking up the Pixel Remaster for, for FF5, I've, I've been pretty impressed with how they kind of pulled yes. those off. So uh, before you get into that, though, just to speak on the Final Fantasy V Pixel Remaster, I yeah. didn't include it on this list because they they did it perfectly in the sense that it's the same as Final Fantasy V, which I play every single year. So I didn't feel like it should have been on the list. But That's it's fantastic. Fair. You're right. Yeah. Uh, so my number five is uh, TMNT Shredder's Revenge. I was thoroughly impressed with the game. I won't say that it's perfect because it's not. And you'll hear my thoughts about that at some point in the future once we get through our... Uh, our chonky backlog of bonus content, but we, we do have an RH Gaiden 
covering Shredder's Revenge. So you'll hear my full thoughts about it there, but suffice to say, it is by all accounts a pretty worthy follow-up to Turtles in Time. I wish that there were some, you know, more features added and maybe some tweaks here and there, but you know what? Overall, um, I, I was I was very happy with it. I think it's a great release. Uh, I think they did a lot right, and it is a lot of fun. Um, it does capture that same just balls to the wall kind of arcade beat em up, you know, feel that I think Turtles in Time captured so well as well. And, you know, kind of expands on it in some good ways and some maybe slightly tedious ways. But I was honestly just happy to have, you know, a solid Turtles game again and one that is right up the, the same, you know, alley as one of my favorite games of all time. So, uh, so that's why it has mm-hmm. made it onto my list. Uh, I think Shredder's Revenge absolutely deserves it. Number four. Well, Shane, I agree with your number five pick so much mm. that I decided to make it my number four. My number four is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. How dare Shredder's you one up me? <laughs> Uh, Shane pretty much said all of it. This is a really fun game and it's a, it's a really entertaining beat em up. Um, uh, just like Shane said, I'm going to have more thoughts on it. It's, it's a game that, you know, it's not perfect. It, no game really is, but if you want a fun beat em up, that can be absolute chaos. If you get six people in the same room, go get Shredder's Revenge. If you have any nostalgia for the, for the turtles, Go get Shredder's Revenge. I think that you're going to be impressed and have a good time with it if you haven't played it already. Because I'm pretty sure like everyone's played it by this point. But yeah. it deserves to be here. It does follow in the footsteps of Turtles in Time and the original Turtles arcade game to a T. So yeah, this is an easy number four for me. I uh, was debating on putting it higher, but uh, looking at the remainder of my list, I'm I'm happy with where this is because I'm really happy, obviously, with the other three games. So <laughs> Shane, what's your number four? So taking my number four slot is going to be a, a spin-off title, uh, Darksiders Genesis. It's an action RPG, which in some ways is similar to the mainline Darksiders games, but those are more like, they're more in the vein of like a 3D Zelda, or at least the first one was. It's interesting because each Darksiders entry kind of apes a slightly different other games play style, but they do it well enough that you don't really care too much. Um, but Darksiders Genesis is basically the Diablo of the Darksiders series, and it's a hell of a lot of fun. Um, it's it's built from the ground up to be a co-op game, but you can play the entire thing solo, and you can hot swap between both of the characters. And uh, the interactions between the two main characters are generally pretty, pretty entertaining. It's very much a, like almost an Abbott and Costello kind of thing with the, the, the classic sort of straight man and like funny guy kind of trope, uh, where war of course is the guy who never finds anything amusing. Um, so at any rate, it's that it's got really great gameplay. Um, it has a bunch of extra content too, to keep you engaged, even after you've finished the, you know, mainline story, it's got a little bit of that Metroidvania style to it, where you will need to go back to previous levels to like finish getting collectibles once you've unlocked like a new ability or something to that effect. So there's a lot of replayability 
just in that. Um, and there's also challenge levels. Uh, so it's got a lot going for it. I had started trying to play it years ago and I just dropped off of it. Um, not through any fault of the game on its own. I think I just got sidetracked by something else. And then I kind of forgot about it. And then this year I went back to it and I was like, you know what? I need to give this another shot. And I'm really glad that I did because it really grabbed my attention. And I was playing almost nothing but this except for stuff for the show um, for probably a good solid month or so. So I would highly recommend it. If you're into action RPGs or you like the Darksiders series at all um, and you haven't already played this, definitely go check it out because it's a lot of fun. Actually, I, I was going to just go into my number three, but I got to say Darksiders Genesis, that game does look like a lot of fun. And I got the game for like super cheap. And I'm pretty sure that if anyone wants to check that out, because the Darksiders series, understated quality series. Mm -hmm. If you want to, it's, it's just a really good group of games. And uh, we did an episode about it. I, I don't think that one has particularly aged well, but if you want to go <laughs> see our thoughts about the first Darksiders, go check that out. Uh, but the series overall is good. I'm glad I picked it up and you liked it because now that gives me some interest maybe to to play that game sometime within the next five years looking at my backlog, which is gross. <laughs> but uh, Fit it in there somewhere, yeah. I'll give it, I'll try. Number three. Okay, my number three is Bulk Slash for the Sega Saturn. This game just brings me joy. It got a fan translation, a full fan translation that was released at the beginning of this year, and it's utterly fantastic. I tried to find a name for the team that released it. I don't think they really have a team. I think it was just a bunch of people who came together and did it. Uh, seeing the project lead was, I guess the project lead's name is Greg Moore. So I don't know if Greg Moore listens to this, but you and your team did a fantastic job making this feel like a U.S. release. And this game is just so much fun. It's you're piloting a mech and you pick up a waifu and you go and destroy other mechs. It's just a 3D third person shooter, essentially, where you fly in the air, you can run on the ground and blow stuff up. And I don't know. It's it's really hard to describe in such a brief format. But if you're looking for a fun mech game, that's only about an hour long, too, with with quite a bit of replayability. It could have a little bit more replayability, but just because I don't know. It just puts a smile on my face the entire time I'm playing it. It's not too difficult. Voice acting by this team is fantastic. Uh, I, I I think that's enough for me to say uh, all the praise that I can for this game. Go check out Bulk Slash. It's my number three game of the year. Sega Saturn. Play it any way you can, obviously, because there's not an official disc released for it. So uh, go out there and take a look. Man, that's just like, now that reminded me, I've had a tab open in my browser for months now with that 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 fan translation for Bulk Slash, because I was like, oh man, I really want to check this out. It sounds really cool. And now that you've got it on your game of the year list, I'm, I'm going to have to actually go do that. Yeah, you should. It's it's a it's an absolute joy. All right. Well, my number three um, maybe wouldn't be categorized as an absolute joy, but I guess that it depends on how you look at it um, or what you're into, I suppose. But uh, it's actually a very, very recent one. It, it's coming in at the very tail end of, of 2022 for me, but it was so fucking impressive that it made its way onto my list. Uh, Lost in Vivo. This game. Oh. Holy shit. This fucking game. All right. So 
basically if you appreciated the silent hill games like especially the the first three or you know what i'll i'll even throw a bone to silent hill 4 the room even that one then you are doing yourself a disservice if you have not checked out lost in vivo it's not made by anybody from team silent or anybody even close to them i'm pretty sure it's actually a single developer if i'm not mistaken um, who goes under uh, a pseudonym and um, they have about a half a dozen other games that they've done. You can find them all on, on itch.io, but Lost in Vivo is also just available on Steam. It's essentially a first-person Silent Hill in a lot of ways. The creature designs are fucking brilliant, much in the same way that Silent Hill 2 especially pulled it off in that they're not just creatures for the sake of being scary creatures. They Their design... Are, it's very purposeful. It has to do with the story that's being told. Like, you know, the like the animated front end of a fucking subway car trying to eat you. And like just bananas shit like that. Oh, yeah. This game, honestly, it's, it's brilliant. Um, I was surprised at how well this was done. Having said that, there, I guess my one nitpick would probably be that the I, I felt like the story was not quite as cohesive as something that you would get out of uh, one of the the OG Silent Hill games. But in Lost in Vivo's defense, that is a pretty fucking high bar, and I think they did pretty admirably, especially if this is a solo developer. I I, I can't confirm or deny that I haven't looked into that too deep. But but yeah, like the the trip that this game takes you on, especially considering it starts so innocuously with you just walk in your pupper and then shit goes sideways real fucking quick. Um, and then the rest of it is just a trip, man. So if you're into horror games, especially like psychological horror, Silent Hill-esque kind of things, Go check out Lost in Vivo because it's also, I think it's probably like, I think it's like five bucks or something on Steam. That's it's not, not bad at all. Yeah, it's not that expensive and it is absolutely worth the price of admission. Number two. All right, that brings me to my number two. And by the way, if you want to see us play Lost in Vivo, more specifically Shane play Lost in Vivo, while I say stupid stuff, head over to our YouTube <laughs> channel. Uh, we played it on Twitch at twitch.tv slash retro hangover when we stream on Sundays. So if you want to swing by there and maybe you might see us play one of our games of the year. Yeah. So my number two is Soma Ooh, for Steam. Nice. Yeah. I I was just really caught up in this game. I did not think I was going to like it when I first started playing it. Um, I'm not, I don't like scary games. I, I generally don't. I, I just like to put them down because I'm a giant pussy and that's okay. But Soma's plot, the the themes it covers, the way it makes you think and you know, just think about what life is and what artificial intelligence means and all these things. It's just very, it does things that not a lot of games really do. I'm not saying that no game does, but because there are certainly games that also do what Soma does, but Soma does it very, very, very well. And I played this game for the first time this year, and it really stuck with me. And when I saw that I played this game and completed this game this year, I was like, yeah, damn. Uh, this is a really important, well-crafted, put-together game. Uh, still looks good. Voice acting is incredible. The atmosphere is out of this world. Uh, 
Well, not literally, actually. I was about to say literally, but it's not. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, kind of. But <laughs> I guess that's kind of a spoiler. Yeah. Well, shit. Spoilers. But, um, <laughs> but look, if you're looking for a game that is is very intelligent in its presentation, comes from the creators of Amnesia. Frictional Games knocked it out of the park. And it's it's not that scary. Uh, it's not like Amnesia, which made me almost poop my pants. <laughs> uh, get through it. You'll be rewarded. It's 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 such an incredible. I mean, every single time I'm talking about these games, it's like, I really like this game. I really like this game. I really like this game. Obviously, I really like this game. Uh, combat is has a little bit to be desired. And we did do a guide with this with Mike, uh, formerly of Region Free Gamers. And you should go check that out because I really think that's a great episode. Uh, and a lot of the a lot of the things I can talk about and why I like this game would go into spoiler territory. And the plot is about 90 percent, well, 95 percent of why this game is so brilliant. So it's definitely a game that I'm happy I played and just go go check it out. Nice. Yeah, that's a good pick. I'm, I'm actually kind of disappointed in myself that I didn't include that here, but I'm glad somebody covered it. Uh, so my number two, it is much like Thanos, I believe it is inevitable. Elden Ring, of course, is my number two. Yeah, uh, perhaps surprisingly not my number one. But, uh, but yeah, man, I mean, what, what is there to say? Like Elden Ring is basically open world Dark Souls. And for the most part, I think from software really knocked it out of the park. I have my own thoughts about this in general in that, you know, in short form version, let's just say that I believe the Dark Souls formula works much better when it is a more focused and directed experience, which is part of the reason that Dark Souls won is still probably my favorite out of all of them. Uh, but that is a discussion for another time. But with that part aside, being able to tackle an open world with the, the vast areas that they included in this game and still have it feel like a Dark Souls game and include all of the just like the plethora of little dungeons to find and things to explore and shit to stumble upon that will inevitably murder your face. Yeah. It's, hmm. it's a, it is a fantastically crafted game. I mean, there's a reason that it has sold bucket loads of, of units. Best selling it, game of the year. Yeah. It's, it's basically like, in almost every respect, I think Elden Ring is what an open world game should be. It breaks away from a lot of the very formulaic shit that you get from like, well, Ubisoft is usually the one I like to harp on about this, but other ga other places do it as well. But, you know, the, the lazy approach to open world where it's just like, here's about a thousand markers on the map, go collect a hundred feathers and fuck you. Um... It's not that. And everything is very thoughtfully placed. Everything is interesting. There's not a whole lot of just that bullshit. Like, we need to fill this vast open space with something. So let's copy-paste a bunch of enemy camps everywhere or whatever. Um, like <clears throat> Far Cry, for example. So yeah, yeah. Um, some of my reservations about like the design philosophy of the series as a whole aside... It's it's just an incredible game, so uh, it absolutely deserves deserves the number two. Almost would have been number one, but uh, I have a whole lot of love for the next one I'm going to talk about. So it kind of ended up uh, knocking this one down a peg. Ooh, I can't I can't wait for that Fallout uh, from the 
from that not being your number one pick, Shane. <laughs> I yes, that definitely that <laughs> specifically in the way you worded it. <laughs> number one. We'll we'll find out what your number one pick is in a moment, but let me get to mine here first. And look, if I start something and commit to something like the year of Final Fantasies, a terribly named, probably bad idea of going back and playing all the East and Final Fantasy games, there has to be a game that has to be good enough to supercharge my ass into gear to commit to that. And my game of the year now, as I have said since the moment I beat it, since I've been saying since March, when people have been asking, what is your game of the year so far? It remains true. It is East Origin, mm. which I played on Steam, but you can get pretty much anywhere else. This is just a dumb, well, I wouldn't say dumb, but it is a zen hack and slash grindy game that is just, I don't know. It just put me at such ease. I guess that's appropriate. Uh, yeah. Just playing it, I know. Uh, like grinding is fun, combat is fun. It it it's not overly complicated. You're just a a girl with a giant battle axe, killing monsters for like one of your first scenarios, and that's all you do is you just you make different, press different buttons, do different things, watch monster die, watch numbers go up, and then go to a boss, which requires a little bit of thought, but not too much. And then if you die, you go back and kill more monsters, which isn't exactly a punishment because it's just it's so much fun. And I know a lot of people might be like, well, how is it fun? Just repetitive gameplay over and over and over again. Well, it helps when you have a phenomenal soundtrack, which East Origin does. And uh, it helps when the gameplay is smooth, which I pretty much already alluded to. And the graphics are just appropriate. It has this like weird sprite against 3D background thing going on. When you have it on max settings, because this is an older game originally released in 2000, I think six or something like that and brought over within the past three or four years, it's it looks really clean, super high frame rate, and it just moves really fast. And the plot itself, if you've played the original East games, East one and two, and I think this is another reason why I really got into it is because we had just played East one and two for the episode that came out almost at the beginning of the year uh, with uh with Joe Redifer and Paul Romalo. And I was like, well, let me play East Origin. And so much tied into that game. I'm like, oh, this is so cool. The plot of the series must tie in so well to each other. And there must be all these secrets, which wasn't true. But like, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I can't wait for the rest of the series. And I haven't been disappointed in terms of gameplay and what I've played in the series so far. Plot wise, yeah, kind of. Um, but like this game itself just just set a bar in terms of action RPGs. There's no stupid puzzles you have to worry about. You don't have to worry about getting like 15 items. You have to keep on going into your inventory that only work in one part of a dungeon. You just go kind of on this linear path up a tower and just, just the difficulty just kind of gets higher and higher and higher as you get better with the gameplay. And it is it is just fantastic. I love East Origin, my game of the year. I love, by the way, that almost all of your arguments for why this is your game of the year could also just be directly applied to Diablo 2, and no one would have known the difference. I should go play The Sims then. <laughs> Fucking A. <laughs> uh, I will never not be salty about that. 
All right. Well, um, my number one, if it hadn't already been spoiled by Chris's sly little illusions earlier, is not Fallout 76, motherfucker. It's Vampire Survivors, oh. baby. Oh, yeah. No, that's a good game. Holy shit, man. Vampire Survivors is fucking fantastic. I mean, it's not that complicated. It, in much, it, I, I actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I find it very intriguing that both of our answers were like, yeah, I don't know, man. Our number one is just like some shit that we can turn off our brain for. Uh, but that's basically <laughs> what it is. If you don't know what Vampire Survivors is, I don't even. Who are you? Like, where have you been? You you need to go. They need to know. You you need to know, and you need to go find it. Like right now, it's like three fucking dollars on Steam. Go buy it. Like, skip a cup of coffee at Starbucks and just fucking buy Vampire Survivors because it's incredible. It is essentially a reverse bullet hell. Uh, we have not come up with an industry standard term for this kind of game yet. Although I've seen the term bullet heaven thrown around, which I kind of like. But yeah, you basically, you are the turret. Like you have swarms and swarms of enemies that will just continually accost you for like 30 minutes. That's how long each level is. And you gain upgrades as you kill enemies and you gather little experience gems that they drop And the upgrades that you get are a randomized choice every time you level. And as you gain more permanent upgrades, because it is a bit of a a roguelike in that way, um, you can control how random those things are. But generally speaking, it's a random selection. And you have to basically kick yourself out every time to turn into the ultimate turret death machine and... By the time you get close to the end of a run, it is just this, like, cacophony of sound and color and flashing lights and things are dying all over the screen and you are gaining XP all over the place and money to spend on permanent upgrades in between runs. And it has uh, a very Castlevania pixel aesthetic Um, to the point where before this was officially released, I'm pretty certain they were actually just using straight rips of some Castlevania sprites, but, uh, we fixed all that. So there's nothing illegal here. Of course. Everything is original. Um, but yeah, man, it's just so good. Also for the record, there are so far, there are quite literally zero actual vampires in the game. So technically you do survive them because they're not there. But yeah, man, it's just so much fun. Like it's, it, it scratches that itch of, you know, uh, kind of like almost like a gauntlet style kind of game, but it is the epitome of one button gameplay in that you almost don't even need a button. All you need is your analog stick or your D pad. And, uh, that's pretty much it. You're good to go. So yeah, definitely hundred percent game of the year for me. And and if you weren't certain just how influential this fucking thing is, there have been so many knockoffs that have come out recently. And t- in my opinion, that's the indication of a good game when everybody and their mom tries to copy your success. That's exactly what's yes. happening here, where even if you go and look in like the app store, there's like a good at least half a dozen different survivor something games that are trying to do this exact same thing. And for the record, because I know there's at least one person that's going to say this, 
yes, I know, Vampire Survivors, technically speaking, was actually sort of a, a initially it was a little bit of a copy paste of another game called Magic Survivors. Oh, yeah, I did not know that. Fun fact. Um, but they just kind of took the formula here and just really ran with it and made it what it is now. But yeah, highly recommended. If you want something that you can play and just not have to think about and just have a good time, it's a fantastic second screen game, by the way, because you can totally play Vampire Survivors and watch like YouTube or something at the same time. So uh, yeah, get go go out there, go 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 get you some Vampire Survivors. Uh, I agree. I I won't. It wasn't in my top five just because. I mean, I've put quite a bit of hours into it, honestly. Yeah. But I just, I found it myself getting a little too redundant, a little too repetitive for my taste. But it is a game that once it gets its claws in you, it has its fucking claws in you. Oh, yeah. And you you will play it for a long time, even if you don't like it. Like I was playing, I was like, I don't know if I like this or not. How long have I been playing it? Oh, 10 hours. <laughs> I didn't even know. So, yeah, go. Yeah, it's $3. There is no excuse. Zero excuse. Definitely. Yeah. And and just for the record, I will say that uh, I, I did want to throw an honorable mention out to Fallout 76 because it did not ultimately make my list. But I, with the exception of maybe Elden Ring, I think that game's actually the one I've put the most time into this year. Um, mm-hmm. It has turned out to be a solid game. I will say that. It, it has some issues and I don't necessarily agree with some of the monetization practices, which is part of the reason... I ultimately decided not to include it in my list, but if you're if you're looking for a Bethesda style Fallout experience, um, and you can kind of brush aside some of that other nasty business with the the financial part of it, um, mm. you will find a lot to like there. I'll I'll leave it at that. And uh, I need to apologize to. Our, our patron Keith Gasper from the Main Quest podcast for not including Waifu Discovered 2. <laughs> I know this game is near and dear to your heart, but it did not make my top five. But uh, for our patrons, you can expect a RH guiding coming for Waifu Discovered 2 at some point. So there's that. Sorry, Keith. Didn't make it. Well, I mean, at least you included Waifus in, in some form. Yes, in bulk slash. Yes. Well, that does it for our game of the year. And there you go. Uh, you can slap this on whatever box you have for these games, just a retro hangover podcast, go and buy a sticker from our merch store and just slap a RHP sticker on there and write game of the year on top of it in Sharpie. And it has our seal of approval. There are no physical copies of vampire survivors. So just slap a sticker on your PC and write game of the year and put a vampire (laughs) survivor logo next to it. And that should be good enough. There you go. And uh, maybe this will convince publishers to make an RHP edition. That'd be highly recommend that. And uh, Elden Ring will get a runner-up award. You can put that in Wikipedia right next to the Chicago Tribune. Uh, <laughs> the authoritative source on gaming. The authoritative source. That's, that's such an insider joke. <laughs> which, Speaking of which, The King of Games 1992 is out on Patreon for all of you that want to listen to it early. It started on December 1st, and it'll be running until it's over, and then it'll be open to the public. But if you want to wait until it's available for everybody, that's fine. Just know the entire series is running currently. Tons of content creators, podcasters, YouTubers that are part of the series. Get over there. Uh, we all worked hard to get it out, and we would love for you to take a listen to it. So just $1 a month, you can go listen to The King of Games 1992. We'd love to have you there. Absolutely. And on that note, if you would like to go check out the Patreon or uh, any of the other things that have to do with the Retro Hangover podcast, 
we make that very simple for you. All you got to do is head over to linktree slash retro hangover and uh, select the button that suits you best. And if that is not the Patreon, perhaps it's the merch store or our public discord or maybe our social media accounts. If you want to check us out there, maybe not Twitter, because maybe that's exploding. I'm not sure. We'll see what happens <laughs> by the time this episode comes out. Maybe it doesn't exist anymore. Who knows? Good. Shit's crazy. But uh, yeah, so go go check that stuff out. Um, we also, you know, as as Chris mentioned earlier with Lost in Vivo, we've got a Twitch channel, so you can check us out there every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And um, I don't know what else we got. Is that everything? I think that's everything. Did I miss something? Uh, no, this is the podcast of the year. Shit, there you go. Podcast of there the year, is. 2022, Retro Hangover. My number one. That's right. We will now be open to accepting... All sponsorship inquiries, please direct that to podcast at retrohangover.com. We'll be expecting, uh, I don't know, Manscaped or something to talk to us about our balls. Yeah, smooth them. That's right. Smooth my boss. Yes. Well, I suppose on that note, uh, until next time. Play with your Game of the Year Edition joysticks. Limited.